Welcome back to the Domination Sports Station podcast. I'm Dom. And I'm Chris. And we're back here with another episode, and we have a special guest. A very special guest. Great to be back, Dom. Uh, our uh, cohort in fantasy football escapades. You may know him by his many successful podcasts. Uh, of course, we're going to start with the one we appear on the most, Inside Sports Fantasy Football. He also hosts the wildly successful Lakers Fast break podcast and series of shows and uh would you say your your baby pop culture cosmos is uh gerald glassford our friend and uh partner in crime when it comes to all things football what's going on guys how you doing i feel like my gosh i feel like i should get like put my feet in or hands in like cement after that you guys like put me like <laughs> on some type of uh, wall of fame or, or something like that you you are in our eyes. I mean, let, let's face it. You've uh, you gave me a shot when my previous podcast career morphed into a fantasy football show with you, and then you started having Dom on and showed him the tricks of the trade with all the technology, which I'm oblivious about. So we we consider you not only a friend but a mentor. Well, thank you, thank you. You guys are doing a great job. I've enjoyed your show many times. I watched, listened to all the episodes. And you guys are doing just a, a fantastic job. And just keep it going, man. Keep it rolling with what's coming up in, in the world of sports. All right. Well, obviously, Gerald, we got the Super Bowl in town for you in Vegas. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on the matchup and anything that happened in the uh, AFC and NFC championship games. Well, right now, <laughs> excuse me, right now it's it's going to be uh, slam-packed with uh, traffic. People already coming in for the Super Bowl here all week long. Um, I know we're excited. Something that we're looking forward to. Got uh, two great teams uh, after coming off of uh, two really competitive games. Uh, got uh, Kansas City. Uh, people just uh, kind of write it, started to write them off during the course of the season. But as it got uh, into the playoffs, uh, as uh, our, our good friend uh, Joe Soro says, just Never bet against Patrick Mahomes until you see otherwise. And, and uh, he's been playing extremely well. And even though this team isn't as talented as maybe some of their other championship teams, uh, he's been able to will them uh, to convincing victories time and time again. Um, for me, though, I think the story still comes down to it uh, where San Francisco, which San Francisco and which half are you going to get? Because it seems like they can't put or haven't put four quarters together. They haven't needed to. But my God, if they put four quarters together against the Kansas City Chiefs, they are the better team. And it all starts off with Mr. Irrelevant. The best story, I, as I tell you on the show, as far as on the Inside Sports Fantasy Football show, the best story that's out there, Mr. Irrelevant himself, Brock Purdy, if he can be consistent coming out of the huddle and throwing to his receivers. I, I don't see, I really don't see, uh, you know, as far as uh, San Francisco getting beat, but that's just me right now. But again, we can go more into it, but again, Kansas city right now is the betting favorite or at least close to it here in Vegas because they're all riding Mahomes. Yeah, definitely agree. I think, like you said, against the Packers and the Lions, they did not put together four quarters. But what worries me is either of those games were completely losable. And I think uh, what Steve Spagnolo, as the Chiefs defensive coordinator, will do is dare Brock Purdy to beat him. I don't know. You know, the first game, they said it was the rain. He couldn't get a grip on the ball. I'm not sure what happened, but let's face it. 
the Niners got an assist from Dan Campbell and some drop passes. So I don't think there's much margin for error against this Chiefs defense. No, no, there's not. But again, it comes right down to it. You know, I think that if they're able to go ahead and put four quarters together, I just, I just don't know how San Francisco can't win this. I just, again, they, they put those four quarters together. They have not yet been able to do that in the playoffs. I, I just think that's something that I think they may do it. I think they may do it. I don't think this is Kansas City team that's as strong as his previous championship efforts. So I think that may uh, may help and bode well for San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, all I have to say is they didn't win the Ravens game because they out-offense them or outplayed them. I mean, the defense certainly played really well, but it was the way they out they out-strategized the Ravens. Honestly, they they said we're going to win the first half and we're going to dare you guys to beat us in the second half, and it obviously worked. They're headed back to another Super Bowl, but I don't know. This 49ers team is it's pretty tough, and like you said, Gerald, we don't know which version we could get. We could get the version where Christian McCaffrey is getting eight, nine yards of carry. He's unstoppable. Or you could get the version with Brock Purdy and Debo Samuel on the same page. George Kittle is always a threat. Or you could get the one that is just out of sync. And, you know, they've been injury prone all year as well. So you got a banged up George Kittle coming in this game. Debo Samuel's obviously hurt too. I mean, their star players haven't been healthy throughout the whole uh, uh, time of this playoff. So you really, it's really an unpredictable matchup in my eyes. Uh, we'll see what we get out of Mahomes and Kelsey because that's really what carried them to do so well in that first half against the Ravens. Exactly, exactly. And I just think right now it's going to be a good game. I can't wait to see what we're going to see as far as the trailers and advertisements, the real story behind the big game. Who cares about the football? No, I'm just <laughs> And, uh, you know, Taylor Swift, the jokes have already started here in Vegas. And the advertising in regards to anything relating to Taylor Swift, it's already started here in Las Vegas. And uh, just can't wait to, to go ahead and get the game started because I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, you uh, you alluded to my next topic, Gerald. Just you know, as a longtime resident up there, what the scene is, maybe how it's going to compare to the wreck that was F one, no pun intended, in uh, in November up there. Uh, first time Vegas is at a Super Bowl. I know Gerald, you and I still can't believe it. We never thought we'd see this day. And then too, with uh, with Taylor, the all important flight from Tokyo. I'm guessing it'll come in late Saturday night. Will the Swifties be at McCarran looking for her? What's the word there? Well, they're still trying to figure out which airport she can fly into because um, the private airports seem to have all these spaces filled up, supposedly. But this is Taylor Swift. Somebody will find a spot for her. She'll <laughs> yeah, make it I mean, after game. all, she's the woman that controls the economy, so we got to give her some leeway. And, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, if you already have the Japanese consulate saying that she can make it from Japan to Las Vegas well in time for the game, She'll make. She'll be here. <laughs> yeah, that was amusing. Just, just creating a show like the Grammys on right now. And she's not even doing it. It's just the surrounding of of everybody else making a big deal about it. She just wants to go see her boyfriend and play football. And yeah, yeah. You know, it just again, you know, that's a credit to her success that she's gotten that big to where every single part of her her life is being put under a microscope. 
Yeah, I mean, she announced a new album tonight. I've already seen enough mm-hmm. of it on social media. So yeah, my my daughter almost did a backflip at the Costco gas line. <laughs> That's okay. My daughter was sitting in an airport flying back to school and uh, had to text us about it. And I said, uh, "Not only do I know, but your brother's already sick of this album and it hasn't come out yet." <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like sounds like a sibling rivalry right there. Yes, <laughs> completely. So, Gerald, will you? be headed anywhere to check out like Dom and I, when the Super Bowl was in LA, went to the NFL experience, uh, saw where radio row was set up. You can do anything like that or will you be steering clear of the strip? Well, I've already gotten a lot of people ask me, are you going to the Super Bowl? Uh, I, I tell them for something like this, if you get me a comp, I'll go. If you, if I, <laughs> uh, otherwise I'm not going to pay for it. It's not worth it to, to go and, and try and beat the traffic everywhere on the strip, or at least that concentrated area on the strip. Ironically, where the Tropicana is going to be torn down here in April uh, to make way for the baseball park, the baseball stadium that absolutely nobody in the city of Las Vegas wants, (laughs) especially with the team, nobody in Las Vegas wants and the Oakland A's. So I will say that it's going to be pretty much a madhouse right in that, that small area. And anybody looking to go ahead and do anything with that is just crazy because, I mean, CES just got finished with it, 150,000 people there, and there's certain clusters of the strip that just get backed up. And I don't know, to try and avoid it is probably the smartest move at this point in time. I could see that. Definitely can see that. Yeah, so... But if you throw me some comps my way, I can see what I can do. <laughs> Someday, right? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, so I was gonna, I was gonna ask Gerald, do you think an NBA team ever gets to Vegas? Because you already got baseball and football now, and I mean, there's a lot of, there's some space for an arena. I'm not gonna say there's a lot, but well, and they, oh yeah, there's, there's been talk about another arena built uh, down on the other side near Resorts World, where the win is at. Uh, there's plenty of space there. I mean, right now you can use the T-Mobile Arena. T-Mobile Arena would house, I mean, it has housed already exhibition games for the NBA. I mean, you've got that, T-Mobile, the uh, uh, Thomas and Mac, you've got also as well MGM Grand. You've got also as well, uh, uh, of course, everything going on 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 the other side of town as far as, uh, you know, just that whole area. There's several places, I mean, for the WNBA team, they even have a different arena. So, yeah, all these areas on the Las Vegas Strip can house it, but they will, of course, when it, when one is announced, and it will be announced, because that and Seattle, Las Vegas and Seattle are the next two expansion cities. But the TV deal has to be announced first is what I think they're looking forward to. NBA is going to cash in first on a new TV contract, and then they're going to cash in on two expansion fees for Seattle and Las Vegas. Once they get that done, you should see it announced. And then in a, a arena probably will be made on the other side of uh, Las Vegas Boulevard, mm-hmm. away from the concentrated action that, that there is right now. Yeah, is that? Uh, I know there's an empty plot down near where we stayed at that uh, Hilton Vacation Resort a couple times, Dom. Yep. So I'm but wondering near the uh, Sahara. Yeah, exactly. It's right across the street. So yeah, some one of the workers told us that, and uh, yeah. oh yeah, sounds- plenty of space there. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it's going to come to fruition, and then you know we could start all the conspiracy theories about LeBron wanting to be an owner, right? Yep. <laughs> Next to and Shaq, they both said yep. they wanted to become an owner. Um, 
it's yeah the best space right there next to the world's <laughs> largest gift shop that's not the world's <laughs> largest gift shop um and then sahara hotel which wasn't the sahara hotel which is the sms and two other names before it went back to the sahara hotel just like las vegas just to change up things just to get it back to where you know people were were familiar with so yeah there's plenty of space on the las vegas strip for it absolutely and you know i, I just it's so fascinating how much money is being put into the strip and i'm not sure it can support all these things but a basketball team i think they could support baseball i'm not sure that this this town wants it but we'll see we'll see how much it does i mean they absolutely love the Golden Knights. Uh, that's been a great story for us here. And uh, again, uh, with Formula One, although it got off to a rocky start, there was a big crowd for it. The ratings were solid. And the fact is that it was once the, the actual race itself got underway, it was actually a beautiful experience to watch, but very troublesome for the locals here as far as getting around logistics and whatnot. And, but yeah, uh, you know, they'll do it. If there's enough money, they'll do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think with the Knights, you know, it was an expansion team. That was Vegas's first real team. It wasn't like they moved from somewhere else. Even with the Raiders, I mean, well, there are a lot of Oakland and L.A., you know, Bay Area and L.A. transplants that live in Vegas, and you get people from those cities coming, so they'll always have a crowd for that. But I think the NBA would work there. But, um, again, big picture. It's just amazing to me how these leagues ran from not only gambling but from Vegas. Vegas was basically, you know, Hades to the Goodells and uh, once upon a time David Stearns of the world, and, and now everyone's embracing it. So it's just it's fascinating to me. It is. It is, absolutely. So one final football question for you, Gerald. You mm -hmm. won our Fantasy Football League. This is your time to take a victory lap. You know, we faced off in the playoffs previously. We uh, lost in the semis. We were hoping to face you in the championship. Couldn't do it. So congrats to you. But what did you think you know, stood out fantasy-wise this season to you? I know we talk a lot about it on Inside Sports Fantasy Football, but uh, we're not the champions, so we've got to defer to you on this topic. Well, again, I was very fortunate to get where I was at. There were several times this season where I thought I was going to be out of the mix. In fact, I was leading coming into the final games of the season. I was out of the mix in sixth, seventh place in the, you know, I had started out okay, got up to uh, actually first or second, fell down to sixth or seventh because I went on a losing streak. I had a lot of injuries. It's how you handle injuries. I think that was the key. And I was able to handle it uh, with some decent uh, pickups off the waiver wire. Got lucky there. But yeah, just absolutely. It's all about timing and who you can get. Waiver wire. That's the key, especially <laughs> when you got your injuries. It's just a walking wounded late. Had a, season, had a right? ton of injuries at the running back position. Absolutely. I only had, at times, one halfway decent running back starting on any given game late in the season that was that i still don't know to this day how i was able to go ahead and get the job done it says a lot about fantasy where it's not that you have to have a superstar running back like when we first started playing many years ago but someone who just plays and gets you points right like there's no some of these teams don't even have a clear number one we were we were going with Devin Singletary down the stretch, and he was putting up big numbers for us. Who, before the season, thought he was going to be the Texans starter? Exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's all about timing and just staying on your teams, staying as far as trying to do tw tweaks, whatever you can to try and go ahead and keep uh, your team involved and, and stay with it. Uh, because if you don't, somebody else will jump on 
that uh, that misfortune or that that neglecting of your team and be able to jump on it with their team and get their team better and, and be able to get the job done? Yeah, I mean, Gerald, before I ask you about the Great Lakers and their 26 and 25 record, I'd love to go on a little side question with this and ask you, like, the NFL is obviously the most popular sport, entertainment-wise, sports-wise. It just brings in all the money. But I would I would argue the only sport that can really get get close to the NFL is the NBA, and I think the only way to do that is shorten the 82 game season. So, what are your thoughts on that? And obviously, the in-season tournament created a lot of buzz as well. Well, as we see with the latest injury to Joel Embiid, people are starting to whine about the 65 game minimum as far as uh, for MVP for Supermax consideration, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> the, pro- the problem with, with, with shortening the season is because the revenue, and, and neither the owners nor the players want that substantial drop in revenue. Obviously, shortening the season would be okay with the fans, but since the fact that it all comes down to money, the contracts for the TV, the contract, you know, there's just people on the stands, the money and revenue loss would be a major hit for, all parties concerned, then that's not going to happen, you know. And as far as a 65 game minimum to be eligible for postseason, uh, excuse me, during season awards, I like it. I like it because I don't really like or enjoy hearing people up for the MVP or all, um, you know, first team, second team, third team when they've only played 50 or 55 games. It just, to me, says a lot about the league if you continue to let that happen the league finally put its foot down because they know they have a tv contract they want to negotiate and some of the players are are whining now because of it but yeah you know if you do want to less do less in games i wouldn't have a problem with it the problem is their bank accounts for the owners and the players would and ultimately that's that's why they're going to say no yeah but i mean I'm just going to say this argument, the COVID season for basketball in uh, 2021 as well, when they didn't have any fans there and they started the season during Christmas, I was I was into that. And now I've kind of been less and less interested in the NBA. And obviously that COVID season was probably like maybe 50 games, I think. I don't remember the exact mm-hmm. amount, but I was Out into there. it. And I think it just every game matters. And when you have 82 games, I, I just don't feel like it's – it's going to matter that much. Like you could put how many games you want on TV, but it doesn't mean everyone's going to be watching it and tuning in. And that's the problem. You are the age that they want to cater to you. They don't no longer, they no longer, sorry, Chris, they no longer want to take care of us. They don't want They don't care. They've already know they have us as far as sports leagues are concerned. They want to make sure they get you for your decades down the road. And, Obviously, trying to make an important, more appealing product to you would be the case, but there are many in your age group, or you know, if ten, you know, teens, twenties, what have you, that don't watch NBA or Major League Baseball in a regular season, especially because the fact it's just the games are too slow and the games go too long and the seasons go too long for both those sports. That's part part of the reason why the NFL dominates so much in the ratings. Yeah, and I mean, you got the fact that everything's on social media now. You can watch highlights of the game in 10 minutes and not have to sit down there for two and a half hours watching a full game. Exactly. I mean, back in Chris's side, it's the only time we could check out highlights would be on the local news. And uh, now it's like available to us 24-7. And that's 
part of the reason why I think the NBA and, and Major League Baseball need to do more to go after its consumers. Now, I know I get the IST, why they tried to go ahead to do to promote that. I was in love with that concept, especially the way the way the Lakers played after the IST. I'm especially not in love with the IST concept, but, <laughs> you know, it's it's something that I think they wanted to get people invested and interested in uh, even before the usual Christmas, uh, you know, area time time area where people start to get interested with the league. So yeah, I, I get, I get what you're saying and I could see, I could see it happening, but again, it's all about money and taking away that much money away from, uh, you know, the owners and the players. I just don't see that happening anytime soon. They've got to follow the model of corporate America, Gerald. If you, you cut your supply, you just raise your prices and everything equals out because at the end of the day, I feel like, uh, the Fortune 500 know that their customers are going to pay if you raise prices ever so slightly. They won't notice, and then you just keep doing it and doing it, and then you blame it on inflation, right? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> correct. So uh, hand hand in hand what Dom brought up, Gerald, do you think, and I'm, I'm going into a little bit of the business weeds here, do you think Mark Cuban sold part of his stake in the Mavericks because of this changing demographics or is that just merely more of you know guy's got a lot of interests he's you know he's also backing away from shark tank but you know he's trying to run this pharmaceutical company he's got a lot of interests he's a multi-dimensional guy what are your thoughts on what he did there a few months back you could probably say he sees the end of uh you know he he's he's not a young man anymore he's close to 60 if i'm not mistaken so mm -hmm. Maybe he sees just what at the end of the road and just wants to start cashing out a little bit of it, but he still retains the controlling interest of the Dallas Mavericks. Just uh, that's a cake and eat it too situation where he yeah. not only got to sell an abundant amount of his shares or his interest in the team, he still keeps control of it. So at the end of the day, did he really lose anything? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he pocketed money, and like you said, he has final say. So we should all mm -hmm. be so lucky. That's why we play fantasy football, right? Yep, <laughs> absolutely. And it's funny because I was just looking at the team while we, after you guys were talking, asking me about it. I finished fifth in points. So it's not always about you scoring more points during the regular season. It's about when you're able to score those points and who you're able to line up uh, when it matters the most. Absolutely. As a team that lost a playoff game by what was it, Dom? 0.82. Um, we are well aware of uh, total points doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a dogfight, honestly. I agree. So, so Gerald, um, I sat down last night. I watched the Knicks-Lakers, you know, uh, being a long-suffering Knicks fan living on the West Coast. Hard for me to catch a whole game and they're starting at four or so LA time, but you know, sat down and watched it, ate some dinner, came back, the Knicks were leading, they blow the lead, and both Dom and my friend Mike told me, Well the solution is simple. You can't be watching any more Knicks games because you just snapped their nine game winning streak. But uh <laughs> what were what were your thoughts on the game? I mean, you know, me being uh by no means an NBA expert, but when Jalen Brunson's your only scorer and you double team him and force someone else to beat you, you're gonna expose the Knicks weaknesses. It was so funny because Mike, everybody's blaming Mike Breen because on the national broadcast, he had said that the Knicks had only lost once heading into the fourth quarter with the lead. And of course, they ended up losing after they had the lead <laughs> in the fourth quarter. 
I will say, though, that you can see what happens when LeBron and AD have a wrist. So it only perpetuates and accentuates what Dom was talking about, playing less games. But, again, it, you know, the money involved, they, they won't do it, unfortunately. But, yeah, you can see they had some rest. LeBron and AD, they sat out the Boston game. AD also sat out the previous game before. They seemed fresh as a daisy. Uh, it, you know, this was an AD where you saw him dominate and focus in on the rebounding, which was a major thing with New York. Because New York, whoever they bring in there, whether it's Hartenstein, or, you know, Sims, doesn't matter. Everybody on that team can rebound. Josh Hart, everybody on that team can rebound. So that was a major concern. So even though AD didn't give you kind of scoring that you needed, uh, he was definitely able to go ahead and rebound and obviously uh, bother a lot of the uh, the shots that were coming his way. I think he got five blocks, if I'm not mistaken. So including two within a span of five seconds. That was just simply amazing. So, And you saw LeBron just a little bit more pep in the step. So when he's not playing back-to-back, you can just see at 39, he can still do it from time to time. But the thing is, a lot of this, you know, the Lakers are a team that's built around the, you know, uh, the prospect of a LeBron James from 10 years ago. It's just the realization, part of the realization this year is that LeBron is not going to be able to give it to, you know, as far as what the level that the Lakers need time in and time out. He just physically cannot do that anymore. But you're able to still get vintage games from time to time under the right conditions. Yeah, I mean, it's the Lakers season has just been a, a big story. I mean, they're how up and down they've been. I Tell watched them watch beat Stephen Curry dropping 45 points, I believe, in that Saturday game a week ago. And then they go out and lose to the Hawks. So, I mean, I, I'm just interested on what do you think of this and obviously their, their playoff chances. Well, uh, you know, that's uh, something that we bring up every day as we head into the NBA trade deadline this week. Uh, the Lakers are an interesting mix right now. They're a team as a whole that have the opportunity for the first time in a long time, avoid the tax because they're right now uh, in what they're called a repeater tax syndrome, where because they've been repeating in as far as their salary cap going beyond the salary, the salary cap into the luxury tax year after year after year, they get extra little hits because of what they've been doing called a repeater tax. They have the chance to be under the luxury tax and the under the cap for the first time in a while and avoid that. Plus, on top of that, the teams that do stay above the tax and you know at the end of the year, they have to pay a sum to the teams that were under the tax for the year. So the Lakers, uh, it's been estimated, going to possibly be the benefactor if they stay under the cap uh, under the tax. $14 million. Now, they mind you, that's, that's not a large amount when you're talking about overall corporations. That's a nice little chunk of change. That being said, that doesn't, you know, the Lakers fans don't absolutely care about that. They do not care one iota about if the Lakers save money or not. They want their team to get 18, as I do, as fast as possible. This team right now has been the epitome of what a 500 team is. They just cannot find any consistency on the offensive or defensive ends. Uh, Even though you've had LeBron and AD relatively healthy for the entire season, they've had extreme ups and downs. And it just exemplifies exactly the mediocrity that they've been. Now, this team is probably a little bit better than their record indicates, but not to the extent where 
if they try to make a move, they're going to be so much better. They're going to be challenging the Denver's or the Boston's uh, of the world in a seven-game series. I really think that with what's available and the little assets the Lakers have, because they don't have many assets this time around, unlike last season, that the Lakers will only be able to make marginal moves. And to me, you know, with if they give up their only first-round pick that they can give up in 2029, if they give up a lot of their assets or whatever few assets they have left and find themselves in the tax and all that good stuff and still don't get where people want them to go, it's going to be considered a failure in a lost season. I think that they stand pat personally would be the wisest course of action because in the summer they pick up two extra first-round draft picks, the ability to trade. So they would have the ability to trade three first-round draft picks. Then you might have some cap space. And who knows whether LeBron stays or goes, it, you know, because that's been a big hot rumor as of late. If he decides to go, you free yourself up of cap space even more to go out and get yourself another team around Anthony Davis. So that's, I mean, again, the decisions are there. It's on the table. Whether or not you want to just go make trades to make trades, whether or not you want to rush into it, we'll find this week, we'll find out, find this out this week. I have a feeling that the Lakers always have that itchy trigger finger and can't help themselves but try to go ahead and make a trade, whether it's a good one or not. Absolutely, Gerald. Well said. Speaking of teams that are built to win now, the Milwaukee Bucks. Why would Doc Rivers, now I know they're a contender in the East, but why would he leave a cush job that he just started at ESPN as an analyst, he did it in the past when he took a break from coaching the, you know, left coaching the Celtics years ago and was good at it. In your opinion, uh, is this a wise move? And what do you think, big picture? I don't think it's a bad move. Again, they're not as bad defensively as their season has allotted. I don't think. I mean, they're one. They're statistically they were one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. But this was a team that for years would pretty much essentially the same roster was a much better defensive team. And I think they can be a little bit, a little bit better defensive team. Adrian Griffin uh, did a horrible job of coaching that team. And obviously the quick hook, as far as uh, getting him out of there, I think, uh, you know, to a lot of people were justified. If you're there, those that are close to the situation, because he just, the team didn't uh, really endear. He didn't endear himself to the team. Uh, all season long, it started back in the summer when he and Terry Stotts had a parting of the ways. I, I guess right now when you see it, I just think it, it's a team that is a Giannis Antetokounmpo, Damian Lillard, you know, explosion from being a champion. I think that they do. They were actually my pick at the beginning of the season to go all the way. So I think that, you know, Milwaukee, they have the firepower. If they can just find a little bit more defense, I think they can beat Boston. I think they have what it takes to have Boston because Giannis and Damian, uh, and you know, and Dame Lillard, they just they are two great scoring machines. And if they get hot over a seven game series, they can beat even Denver, in my opinion. Could definitely see that. And let's face it. He doesn't have to deal with James Harden, so that's a plus right there. That's always a plus right there. Although, again, he's you know Harden's on his best behavior. He's looking for a new contract. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah. Well, Gerald, uh, he has he's playing well in the Clippers. 
Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you about the Celtics. So uh, I heard the great Charles Barkley compare them to the Philadelphia Eagles of the NBA, saying that they're just overachieving off of their talent. So I want to hear your thoughts on that because they, they've been dominating the East right now. They've been dominating, but I don't think they're overachieving. Uh, I think they're, there are, uh, I mean, how can they be overachieving? They've been a team that's had, had been to the finals and been to uh, several long playoff runs over the past five seasons with this nucleus. And then they added Porzingis on top of it. And they added Giroux Holiday on top of it. You know, they've got a really good five, six player nucleus that they could throw out there. The thing is that befuddles me is why they're so reliant on the three-point shot. I mean, Missoula, Joe Missoula, their coach, is so reliant on the three-point shot. I think that might be, if that, that's why they lose, that's, if, if they lose, that's why they'll lose. It's because they're so reliant on the three-point shot instead of you know utilizing more Tatum on a post-ups, Porzingis on post-ups, because those guys, especially Porzingis, is extremely efficient on the inside, especially when he was with Washington. I don't understand why you, why you don't utilize that more. Instead, they're just bombing away. And for the most part, it's worked. How can you argue against that? But we saw with the Lakers, when they go cold, even a team without LeBron and AD can beat them. So you live by the three, you die by the three, and in a seven-game series, that could be a problem because Denver, let's say they match up against Denver, who is the prohibitive favorite in the West. I mean, you've got two answers for them as far as Murray and Jokic. Jokic doesn't have to stay outside. Jokic can post up and kill you from the inside, or he can pass all day from the from the post and kill you there. So, yeah, just... I'm just if you're a Boston Celtics fan, you have to be concerned about relying on the three pointer and seeing what that and how far that will go. Of course, if it doesn't go far, that's fine by me because they just won't win 18. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you point out the West, and I'm looking at the West standings, and it's something very interesting I'm looking at right here. You got the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Minnesota Timberwolves as the number one and two seeds. So, do you see that holding up? Because you got the Nuggets at the four seed; they're only a, a game back or so. But are, do you think they're going to be able to have the Nuggets avoid getting home court? You know what? I think because they're all you don't you can, you're forgetting about the Clippers too. And I really don't like talking about the Clippers on on uh, the Lakers show very much because I can't stand the Clippers. <laughs> but the Clippers are riding a wave of momentum, so people should not sleep on the Clippers. I think there's a very real chance they can take the Western Conference and, and be number one in the Western Conference with those because they're motivated right now. Whether or not they win or go all the way, that's a different story because they've got a lot of chokers on that team. <laughs> but um, I can tell you right now, when it comes right down to it, uh, I believe in the talent that's there. Whether or not they finish first, second, third, or fourth, I really think it doesn't matter. I think that uh, OKC and Minnesota are are set up for a nice uh, future. OKC especially. I said this on the show on the Lakers fast break yesterday. I expect Oklahoma City to be at or near the top of the Western Conference for the rest of this decade. They not only have an abundance of young talent that is playing above their heads now and playing at a level that's really, really good now. Just imagine. They have a lot of young talent. They could throw at people that they're not even utilizing. 
and they have a hundred thousand seemingly draft picks to the end of the decade that they could yeah. throw at people as well for any star they want. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and I would argue they already have a star within themselves. They got Shea Gilgis Alexander, mm-hmm. who all star starter. So, but yeah, no, I like your point about the Clippers. I've I haven't really watched a lot of their games, but I've heard that Russell Westbrook and James Harden have finally found their homes. You know, Westbrook's really prioritized the defense late in his career. He's been playing really great defense, and then Harden just kind of found a a young shell of himself. He's been he's been playing pretty well, right? He's been playing. He's probably playing good, but the need with Kawhi and Paul George is not for them to go ahead and have to really play at that same kind of level all the time. That kind of takes the the, the stress off them. In the case of Westbrook, who did such a horrible job with the Lakers, there's absolutely no stress. He comes off the bench. He gets about 15 to 25 minutes a game, which is about perfect for him at this stage of his career. I wish he would have been able to do that with the Lakers, you know, because he he's, they're not, they, they treat Russell Westbrook like, you know, it's just, it's just gravy. Anything he gets is just gravy for them. And and with with Harden, they have the playmaker that sets everything up now that they've desperately needed on that team. And uh, you know, for Zubats, if Ivica Zubats, who's finally coming back after an injury, he has played so well with Harden because Harden's made an effort to get him involved in the pick and roll offense, which is absolutely perfect for him. Yeah, and that's another one the Lakers let go. And that's really yeah, don't get me started on that one. But yeah, <laughs> and when it comes right down to it. PG and and Kawhi are still playing at not exactly their their highest level, but they're still playing at a very very high level, and that is enough to go ahead and get this team. You know the Clippers, after starting off, uh, you know with the Harden trade, you know bumbling and stumbling, they finally figured things out. And I have a feeling again before it's all said and done that you need to watch out for them in the Western Conference uh, as far as at or near the top of the Western Conference during the regular season. Yeah, and Gerald, I'm, I'm looking at the 12-seeded Warriors right now, and I mean, 21 and 25, you got 30 games left in the season. And I think the low, lowest of the low is watching Steph Curry drop 60 points against the Atlanta Hawks last night, and they somehow find a way to lose. So I, don't, I really don't know what's saying works. So I think the Lakers ended their dynasty, and obviously rest in peace to their assistant coaches. Some saddening news as well. Absolutely, couldn't agree with you more on that. I uh, said that on the sh- I said on the show at the end of the Golden State playoffs. I thought it was the end of their dynasty, and it looks like it's going to be the case. Steph Curry, you know, he can still give you those magical moments from time to time. It's again like like PG and Kawhi. It's not peak Steph, but it's near enough Steph. The only problem is he can't carry this team the way he used to. And they need to figure out a way to uh, revamp that roster uh, but while you still have some uh, gas left in the tank of Steph Curry. And, and they're going to have to make a hard decision on Clay Thompson, and it's probably not going to be a pleasant one for Golden State fans. I think I think they need to get rid of Clay Thompson, and the obviously the obvious choice is Draymond Green needs to retire immediately. I mean, he well, you did you signed him to a four year contract. That was really smart. Yeah, it's it terrible, but I mean, he needs to he needs to start prioritizing that podcast instead of getting him in a fights on the court. I mean, it's been ridiculous this year. Well, maybe you do want him to get a fight in a, as far as another fight because maybe he'd be forced to retire if that's the case. He almost <laughs> retired last time he got into a fight. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's just been a crazy season. I haven't really watched a lot of them, but I do like Jonathan Kaminga a lot, and I I hope they don't trade him because there's been a lot of rumors about that. 
There has, but they need to commit to him. They need to go ahead and say, we, you know, we're going to move Wiggins or get w- Wiggins is going to have to come off the bench. We're giving you the keys uh, and uh, we're allowing you to be the player we think you can be. I mean, it, you know, he gets the start, stop, start, stop motion as far as his, you know, priority in the, in the Golden State uh, sphere. Sometimes he's coming off the bench. Sometimes he's starting. They need to make a commitment on him or he's just going to go ahead and leave him on his own volition. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think it's over, but, you know, what do I know, Dom, Gerald? I defer to you on the NBA. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to throw a non-sports topic out there to Gerald. As we mentioned at the top, in addition to Inside Sports Fantasy Football, which Dom and I regularly appear on, and Lakers Fast Break. He started it all with the Pop Culture Cosmos podcast. Gerald, you've been at this a while. I'm glad our paths crossed and we continue to do it. Look forward to doing it many years, knock on wood, going forward. Um, When you were on our podcast last, according to Spotify stats, it was the most listened to podcast we had, so we appreciate it. But what do you think? So you're welcome. As someone who kind of got in on the ground floor, as they say, what are your thoughts on podcasting? I know it's completely exploded, but the fact of the matter is there are a ton of podcasts out there, but they don't get the audience you think they do. Yeah, and that's what I've 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 come to know over the course of time. I've been doing this since 2009, so it's going on 15 years here. And I still enjoy it because, you know, people ask me, you know, I've not achieved the level of financial success anywhere near that a you know, obviously a Joe Rogan who just signed for another 250 million <laughs> uh, or any of those stars Jeez. or anybody out there that could just whip out a, a oh, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to do a podcast like it's a fashionable thing. Like, OK, I'm going to get a new outfit. Oh, I'm going to start a podcast like it's a fashionable thing. <laughs> uh, for me, it's been something about the life. It's been something about talking about things I was talking about all my life around the water cooler and, and reaching out to so many people in my life that I've met are from around the world, including you both has been the most rewarding part of it. Yeah. It would be great if I could go ahead and get those $250 million checks from Spotify, but you know, the, the reward in talking and about people and laughing and sharing like last night uh, on the Lakers nightcap with Joe Soro, Joe Soro uh, at the, you know, the, the begging the assistance of the of the crowd got himself blithering drunk on the air last night. You're talking about the Lakers and basketball and life. <laughs> and if you get a chance to see it, it is hilarious. <laughs> and, and those kind of moments you don't have if you don't do a podcast or you don't watch a podcast or you don't interact with a podcast in some form or fashion. So it's absolutely been a great ride. Uh, you know, when I met Josh, uh, you know, at National University, uh, I was so grateful to go ahead and have someone that had the same thoughts and likes that I did, you know, that wanted to go ahead and come on my podcast. And we expanded into a radio show that, that went worldwide. When I met you, well, you know, he obviously knew Charles, who knew you, and then asked mm-hmm. how I met you, Chris, and then, yeah. you know, through, I met Dom afterwards. And been so fortunate to go that way. I mean, I've talked to and interviewed people from around the world and I feel so blessed in doing so. And hopefully I will be able to continue to do so for years to come. But yeah, it would be great and outstanding if I could tell you right now that yes, I 
have that that lifestyle from podcasting that so many dream about as you know when you go every day you look it out on the audio apps you look it on the video apps you look it on youtube everybody seemingly has a podcast out there but for me that would be great if i could find true success from it but for me uh, you know the great portion of it has been about meeting new people uh, and experiencing through their eyes life as they see it and that to me has been just so rewarding uh, of an experience for me it's a great outlook and for the record if you don't get that 250 million i'll take one one hundredth of that i won't even be greedy <laughs> okay so sounds just, sounds good to me my friend just to go on the record here and okay. uh for audio history dom, dom will be uh you know why is this in my bank account what's this going on <laughs> bank account we're, we're bank account we're going all crypto right dom that's the wise move oh, yeah. these days yeah it's, go, it's going towards the college fund yeah, exactly. And then but, that's uh, ever growing. <laughs> it, it's just been a lot of fun. I mean, meeting you guys, uh, meeting so many people from around the world, uh, sharing thoughts and likes, you know, and, and it's been fun. And people want to listen to it. I mean, Pop Culture Cosmos has uh, 250,000, uh, close to 250,000 audio downloads. The Lakers Fast Break has done uh, closing in on 200,000 itself. So I, I, be, I feel very fortunate that people have actually wanted to listen to my quirky conversations about life, about basketball, and about pop culture. It's been great. You're not you're not beholden. I mean, yeah, you have advertisers, but not in the sense like a radio station would or a, a TV show or you know, working for ESPN. Advertising for, that's been the hard part for podcasting. Advertising. Yeah for podcasting because advertisers jumped all in or right around the coronavirus era when the when the podcasting medium was really hot everybody seemed to jump in and there were there was whole there was seemingly there was a new advertiser or a new podcasting um platform is seemingly around every week mm-hmm. but yeah a lot of those have, have gone the gone the way because they realized even though it does get numbers steady numbers they don't find the return on investment uh, not not with many of them that they that they had hoped to to find. I'm going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, I guess the good thing is that you're not uh, beholden to kind of this other interest that's you know paying your proverbial bills. But um, I think too, it's good that you have a niche. You know, you can talk just about the Lakers and you know with with Sean and Joe, for instance. They're they're frank. They're funny. Like you're not going to get that watching it on you know. <laughs> Whatever, uh, what are what are the Lakers on these days? What's that? What's that network called? I can't even keep track. Of the, oh, they're uh, on Spectrum Sports. Yeah, time. you know, <laughs> you, you get that round table with the you know the talking heads and all. But no, I I I don't even like the Lakers, and I enjoy listening to you guys. You know, when I'm when I'm waiting in the room to come on, and you guys are talking about the games, it's it's like I would talk about it with Dom or my friends, or even if we're texting back and forth. And you know, I, I hate to bring his name up, but Pat McAfee got that money from ESPN because he's different, because he's like that. Now I. I think it's a little more bro talk as they call it but yeah. you know the that's what i think dom's demographic the younger generation is going to be looking for something that's not the cookie cutter uh typical sports media that we grew up with yeah i mean you can you can even argue more people watch ufc than baseball now i mean it's just like a different demographic to people yeah that's the thing we talked about you know baseball and the nba they've been around forever but they have to change more to the marketplace because the ultimate goal, Dom, is to get you into 
what they're doing. And uh, I don't know if your generation will be staying into or involved in the NBA and Major League Baseball going forward. Although the Atani deal might, for at least people on the West Coast uh, who are Dodgers fans, might keep them invested for at least the next decade. Yeah, they're going to invest a lot in those Dodger dogs. I know that. $40 (laughs) Dodger dog right there. $60 beer. (laughs) I was at Universal Studios the other, uh, what, a couple months ago, and man, they've got this like foot long. I said, no, it's two feet long. It's, it's, yeah, it's two feet long. It's 36 bucks. It's a chili dog. Two feet long chili dog. Wow. I'm thinking to myself, that's where it's going to go. Oh, yeah. And they know people will pay for it. Oh, yeah. Ah, boy. Well, before we wrap this on up, Gerald, uh, thanks again. Anything you'd like to plug or even, you know, hitting on the podcast theme, what what works for you promotions-wise? Um, is it social media? Is it, you know, coming on shows like this and promoting it? And whatever you need here to plug your shows, by all means, the floor is yours. Well, I appreciate it. Again, the time that you allowed me, I, I can't wait to come on again. Anytime I get a chance to talk to you guys, it's greatly appreciated. Awesome. Uh, I know that later this week, you and I and Dom and, and hopefully Joe will be able to sit down and talk inside sports fantasy football with the, with our picks for the Super Bowl. But uh, need I digress? Uh, you know, if you want to go ahead and check out my stuff out, uh, you know, Lakers Fast Break on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, also, as well, the Pop Culture Cosmos on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. In the case of the Pop Culture Cosmos, we're on twice a week. We cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week. Josh, Melinda Barkhouse Ross, and I, we, we just absolutely have a blast uh, on our shows. Whether I have TJ Johnson, whether I have you guys on there, whether I have, it doesn't matter. When we, you know, whenever you, anybody else is on, when we talk pop culture, it's always a fun conversation. And of course, the Lakers fast break where we really get heavy into the NBA and the Lakers. And that is more challenging at times because of the audience and their demands. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, as, as Joe always says, you get used, you have to get used to it. The more popular you get, the more you have to get used to uh, the brushback. And we're very opinionated on the Lakers fast break. There's no, Lakers show that's more opinionated than us. I'm going to be honest with you, but we speak in the same way that a lot of fans out there are speaking, and that's why I think that they've gravitated towards us. So hopefully, you give it a chance. Lakers fast break, pop culture cosmos, and inside sports fantasy football. I'd be glad if you did. Yes, sir. It's incredible shows. Gotta go listen. Saddam, so uh, great doing a show you know i love just sitting here and listening to you and gerald talk basketball i mean you guys run circles around me but i feel like i learn more than <laughs> you know watching the you know nba pre or post game show on insert network name i won't call them out here but uh you know if you do want to listen to our little podcast it's called the dom hyphen in nation sports nation you're listening to and the best way to follow us on instagram at domination underscore sports nation you can also follow me on twitter some people call it x 
at Chris L Sports. You can listen to us uh, routinely on Inside Sports Fantasy Football. I appear weekly with Gerald. Dom is a little more uh, ad hoc, depending on his homework. You know, these things come first, as Gerald and I know as being parents. But, uh, you know, when Dom comes on, he runs circles around me. And this is the guy who picked Puka Nakua up off waivers week one. We're on an airplane coming back from Maui, and he told me about this guy, and I had no idea who he was. So uh, props <laughs> to you. Yeah, I mean, thank you guys for listening. And, hey, we're, we're not just limited, uh, limited to sports. You know, we talked a lot of interesting stuff here. I would just like to point out, the Grammys, you know, Travis Scott over 10 now in nominations. Just want to point out that robbery right there. But besides that, thank you guys for a great show. Thank you for coming on, Gerald. I think hey, Dom, you- uh, before we go, sorry, I just came across my phone. Uh, you better brace yourself. But Taylor Swift won album of the year again, broke the record four <laughs> times. Uh, when we finish this show and hang up with Gerald here, um, you can scream, you can yell, you can bang the pots and pans. I know you're thrilled, especially, as you said, since Travis Scott got shut out again. Well, I mean, they, they'll give SZA her credit. I mean, they'll obviously give Taylor Swift her credit and stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to think anymore, but it definitely doesn't define music, that show. No. Hey, they're just to, uh, you know, what can I say? Grammys, uh, they're, they're a great way to exemplify the music industry. But yeah, we're in award season now. I just can't wait for the Oscars and see what happens there as well. Let's, uh, let's talk about that, Gerald, because my wife and I saw the holdovers the other night. I've seen Oppenheimer. I have Barbie and uh, the Maestro queued up next to watch here at home. So at some point, I'm going to give you my two cents, and whoever I pick will not win the Oscar for, for, for best actor. I'll guarantee you I'll blow that. <laughs> I'm going to say right now, if you're, the, money, the, the money here in Vegas is on Oppenheimer. Uh, I really think there's a lot of momentum behind it. Obviously, it made almost a billion dollars at the box office. I know with Barbie, they'll probably give something to Barbie as far as one of the after, you know, the, not the one of the main ones, but one of the uh, uh, maybe like best song or something like that. But uh-huh. yeah, I definitely think that most of the main awards will go to Oppenheimer. I thought early on, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon might uh, have a lot more momentum. I really think that uh, when it comes right down to it, it's going to be Oppenheimer. Although, watch out for Lily Gladstone from Killers of the Flower Moon, mm. maybe upsetting Emma Stone from Poor Things, which is also an outstanding movie people need to check out. A little bit demented, uh, but I think that uh, you know it's kind of that quirky uh, indie film that a lot of people are digging. So I still think, though, you got to put your money on Oppenheimer. There's just too much writing on the success of it. Christopher Nolan is, uh, you know, a very much admired director. He's been very adamant about, you know, putting his uh, films into theaters, including a forcing, you know, whether we liked it or not, forcing a, a what I thought was a solid movie, a tenant, uh, you know, into the theaters during the middle of the coronavirus when it shouldn't have gone into the middle of the coronavirus mm-hmm. in theaters. That cost that film dearly. But he he's a purist, and I think, a lot of the academy will support him with that. Uh, with with that, plus best picture, best director. Uh, I think Cillian Murphy is probably going to get it for best actor. As I said, I think Lily Gladstone might sneak it out for best actress, and then uh, then I think Robert Downey Jr. is going to get it for Oppenheimer. Yeah, if, if I were to go out on a limb, I think he does for best supporting. He's phenomenal as always. Don't don't count out Mark Ruffalo on Poor Things, but yeah. his Avengers buddy. But yeah, I think. Uh, I think RDJ 
It's going to be the award that uh, people should have given him for Iron Man in <clears throat> Avengers Endgame. <laughs> yeah, the makeup award. You got yes. it. <laughs> well, great talking, guys. Great show. Talked about a lot. Got a lot covered. Thank you guys so much for being on. Thank you. Thank you, Gerald, once again. Thank you. Great to be here. And again, I am hope to be on here whenever you guys uh, need and ask for me. Oh, you will. You'll hear from us. Yeah, I mean, love to come on Lakers fast break. I got to get into basketball a little more, but once I do, I'll definitely show up. Sounds good, but you guys didn't give me your picks for the Super Bowl. I should oh, say geez. SF. Oh, you know, you know who Dom's going to pick. Uh, we know you're leaning 49ers. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna go Chiefs, uh, even though I think the 49ers could win this game. I don't know what it is about this team, but as a friend of mine said, Patrick Mahomes and, and Kelsey and this Chiefs team remind us of like the late 90s Yankees where they'll have these crappy seasons or tank heading into the playoffs and everyone thinks they're done for or even you know almost losing to the A's in the playoffs one year and they just pull it out and I have no statistical proof other than I saw how that line moved Sunday night after the 49ers won they were two and a half point favorites opening and it moved down to one point I haven't checked recently what it's been but Sounds to me like the smart money's all over the Chiefs, too. And I just I hate to bet against Mahomes. But I will say the arrest of his dad today on a DUI is very reminiscent of, you know, sadly, the tragedy Andy Reid had with his son when he uh, you know, hit that girl with his car. And the, the Buccaneers Super Bowl just went up in flames and they just tanked. But I don't know if that will be the case, but it's going to be a distraction. I mean, Mahomes is a human being, so we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, looks like, like a good game. Uh, Dom, you said uh, Chiefs for you. Yeah, I mean this is this is the modern uh, Patriots dynasty we got here. So okay. can't pick against Patrick Mahomes. Just like you, you wouldn't pick against Tom Brady. I mean, this is what we we're living in now. Fair enough. <laughs> Unless there's a Philly special that I don't know about. <laughs> Anniversary today. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. <laughs> How's it going? All right, guys. Thanks again. Great talking and uh, hope to do it again soon. Absolutely. Hoping to see you guys soon. Stay dry. It's raining here a lot and I'm sure it's headed your way. Oh, you know it is. Right in time for Super Bowl week. Hey, perfect timing. <laughs> Good thing it's an indoor arena, uh, indoor stadium. No kidding. Yeah, I mean, they, they say third time's the best charm. Once again, another great show. Thank you guys for listening to the Domination Sports Nation podcast.